Welcome, everyone, to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Faith, fringe, freedom. Yes. Josh Hamilton's in the house. Podcast world, I have to say, this is an impromptu one. Um, I got a telephone call from uh, my buddy Josh, who's been on the podcast a couple of times. Uh, he said, hey, man, I'm going to be in your neck of the woods. Uh, can I come by later? And I was like, completely, it was unexpected, but but welcome. And here he is, man, in, in the flesh. Hello again. <laughs> so I... Uh, I just pointed to this book I have over here on the on the stack of books. It's called Answer to Job. I talked about it the other day, but I was I was running uh, around the neighborhood and I was listening to a podcast because that's what I do. And somebody on the podcast said that book contains the secret of life, mm. and it, you can read it in an afternoon. Oh, and I thought to myself, hey, look, yeah, it looks really short. And and I like Carl, I like Carl Jung, so. I was like, okay, well, if that's the case, I'm going to read it, and then I'll let everyone know what The Secret of Life is. Um, but it's been there for like th- a week. I haven't touched it yet. The Secret of Life has just been sitting there waiting for me. I'm like, I'll get to you later. Right. When I really need the secret. Yeah. So so you, you're you're making the visit on, uh, you know, not the best of circumstances. You just got back from a funeral today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for my, for my pastor. His dad passed. Yeah. Second time battling cancer. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. I was going to ask if he was an older fellow, but mm-hmm. second time around with cancer is rough, man. Yeah. When it comes back, that's, uh, you know, sometimes that's that's it. You know, that's what happened with my wife's mom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and uh, well, with her dad, it was um, the chemo was so hard on his heart that when he got better from the cancer, his heart was, it was fucked. Yeah. He, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, there's a lot of problems with the process of treating it mm. that adds to that. But yeah, he was, he got 17 more years of, of freedom and, oh, you know, he decided 17 this years time in around. between the first diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. Yeah. yeah. He just decided this time around. He didn't want to fight it. Mm. He just was ready and done. Yeah. So I can understand. He didn't want to go through that pain. Didn't want to go through that treatment. And he just said, live his best life, which yep. he continually did, but just live it up until the end is what he decided to do. And. And I can appreciate that. I mean, mm-hmm. if I if I had to live, let's say, six months where I was sick as a dog and wasn't able to leave my bed, uh, or I could live one month in relatively good health and do what I want to do and spend time with my family, that's a hard decision, man. I think I might mm-hmm. like the latter to the former. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Plus, what memory do you want those to have of you in your final days? Yeah. Barely able to talk, eat, whatever it may be. Yeah. Have them have that memory of you or you know, fought to the bitter end and still had the same exact person they've always known. Yeah. And 
See, I, I keep the memory going that way. See, I, I use that same argument with the idea of an open casket or a funeral. Mm. Like to remember someone that way, uh, to me, seems cruel and weird. And I don't understand how it's a tradition at all. I really, really am confused by it. You say goodbye to somebody. Why would you put them in a box? You, you, you drain all their blood out of their body. You cover them in makeup. They look strange. You, then you put them on display for everyone to see. And it looks like a stranger. Yeah, And then the little kids who've never seen anybody d- dead before have this existential crisis where they <laughs> see a body, they know something's missing, but they're not sure what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, man, I just, like when my when my wife's mom passed away, we had this like big, big picture of her made and we took it to a restaurant and we had, we, we had the upper uh, floor of the restaurant for a party and we had her picture and her urn and we talked about her. And we ate, and we yes. laughed, and we went home. Yes, that's what I want. Yes, that's what I want. They did a, they did, um, they cremated him, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, I agree with you in the wastefulness, even let, let alone the existential crisis that it creates with kids, as you mentioned. Yeah, the financial part of that is mm. what's the point? You're dressing up a shell for people to come and look at and act like they care. That's not to say that all of them do. Obviously, yeah. it's it's. One of those unfortunate times that you see people you haven't seen in a long time, and right. it's awkward because of why you're there, and you mm-hmm. know. But there's there's some that like, hey, I'm just here to he- be here, you know. But I, I, it was beautiful because they actually did, they they cremated him, but they had him in this like beautiful, small, ornate, um, looked like a treasure chest, okay, and it had a key for it, and I just was like marveling at it, and it, it's kind of weird, but I love going to funerals. <laughs> it's like. Because for me, it, it's it, especially it's it, you kind of have to face your own mortality at a funeral of somebody that just went before you. Yeah, it makes you. I get really reflective, mm. and I go. I th- start thinking about what are people going to say at mine. What do I want them to say, believe, and feel at mine? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like absolutely. I want. I my goal. I think about it is like. And it was funny because it actually made me rethink the podcast a little bit. Oh. Uh, not to the point of causing me to now go into another spiral where I don't actually do anything, but but really the whole, the, the I kind of got back to the heart of the meaning of it that uh, was really important. But yeah, I think about what do people say? What do I want them to accomplish in their own life? And, and how did I spur them on to living their best potential of them? Mm, yeah. Like what am I leaving behind legacy-wise yeah. – Whenever I go to a funeral, yep. and and it's it's again, it's kind of weird, but it's not like I'm going to just show up at people's funerals. But no, I, no. any opportunity I have, I just man. So I, I I'll tell you what I like about that. What I like about that is, um, you know, it's like it reminds me of the ancient Egyptians because people say that they were obsessed with death. You know, the, all of their their religion was obsessed with death. Their aesthetics were obs- obsessed with death, and that everything circled around dying. But that's the opposite of what you think it is. The focus on dying makes you more focused on living. Yes. And what you're saying is when you put yourself in a situation where you have to complement your inevitable demise, Mm -hmm. what it does for you is say, I have to establish what I want people to be saying when my time comes. I have to plant those seeds now. Yes. It's about living. Yep. That's that's cool, man. Yeah. I like that. Every time I go to one, and I'm always, I, I like to be there for... It reminds me of why I'm. It reminds me of why I'm here, and at the end of any crazy conversation I'd have with clients, as I've I've said, and if those are listening or forget it, massage therapist. So I, 
you know, have a clinic, people come there and bear their soul. Um, and you know, it's, it's crazy to me to think about of all the things that meant the most to me, it wasn't exposing crazy conspiracy fact. It wasn't, um, telling them, Hey, you shouldn't believe what the news says about this. It's like, and I don't mean to belittle it, but it's just going to come out how it's going to be come out. The, the frivolous, like sort of horizontal pursuits we have in the way that we, we, we argue rather than like discuss because Mm. like in an argument you're trying to find out who's right Mm. but in a discussion you're trying to find out what's right i love that and so it 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 makes me think about what i want my legacy to be is every single thing i really remember about impacting other people or speaking into them or whatever it's because if it's somebody that's going through a journey i already did and weathered through Mm -hmm. and i meet them you know 10 years a go for me, but right there where they're at that moment and that crossroads, take what I've said to them in that moment at that crucial time that they've met me that I obviously believe was on purpose, that 10 years after that, they're going to be exponentially more better off than I was at that point because I want them to live their life better than I ever did. Yeah. And that's honestly my pursuit like permanency. Like I want before I push up deities, I, I want that. Yeah. I want my life to have impacted them and spurred them along and helped them become the best version of them that if they didn't meet me, it would not have happened. Mm, I like that. You know? I like that. I, I always thought when I was younger that my legacy would be <laughs> my legacy would be publishing a great a great work of nonfiction. And it it was something like the origin, the evolution of the idea of God. Basically, it was uh, going to be a it's going to be a classical tome that's going to fit right in the bookshelf with the the famous anthropologists of the turn of the century <laughs> and all the great religious thinkers mm-hmm. whose books riddle my my podcast studio. By the way, <laughs> I thought I, that I was going to have a contribution like that, and now I wonder how shallow that is because what I'm really saying is that I want to be that I want my life and the effort in my life to be meaningful to people and helpful to people long after I'm gone mm-hmm. I want to make an impression that le- that will outlast me right and when I was a kid the only idea that I had that would accomplish that was a book a great book sure you know um, and so now it's other things it's it's my family it's this podcast in mm-hmm. some ways um but I, but that that's still kind of an open question for me is what I, what do I want my legacy to be? Uh, but I, I do want to tell you something about a funeral. As you said, yeah, you get together at funerals and you see people that you haven't seen in forever. So my great grandmother died when I was, boy, man, I think I might have been like in my early twenties, maybe twenty twenty one. My great grandmother died, and I didn't have much of a relationship with her. Um, but I went to her funeral, and my grandpa came up from St. Louis, and. My uncle came up from St. Louis, and I go into this room full of people who are there, family, right? Mm-hmm. People who are there to see my great-grandmother, to say goodbye. I don't know any of these people. <laughs> I'm standing in a room full of family. I don't know a soul. And there's this one guy sitting down because he was so big, you know, he was a big dude. He was just more comfortable sitting down. Mm-hmm. I'm like, look at this big old fat dude over here. <laughs> he looks exactly like my grandpa. Whoa. And my grandpa's like, that's my brother. 
And I'm like, I didn't even know he existed. Wow. So here's this stranger who looks just like my grandpa, and I don't know who he is. And it's just, it, I don't know, man. It was really cool to find family, even though they were strangers. I don't know, man. It's an interesting feeling. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I like, too, when, if I know him more, like I can think of mm, my grandparents, maybe, or something like that, where whatever time had span had had gone by between last seeing them hmm. um when you show up there i think one of the things i really besides the basic things i say that i when i i get from every funeral is the way that similar to what you said earlier about the egyptians being obsessed with death but it's like how you live there that it like forces you to be thinking from that perspective yep and you know i'm at that i'm at the funerals and it all of a sudden you go there and you start to see pictures of mm. you know years ago and literally they emerge out of your subconscious mind so to speak that oh my gosh i can't believe i forgot that mm. or just the way the memories flood in and it's like people you've meet you know close that you think you're going to be fine and there's an equal balance of i'm not okay because of all of the memories that i sort of suppressed or life got away or whatever mm. they flood in at that moment and i sort of retrospectively look at that like look at how many years i went not remembering all of those good things that happened mm. with this person in my life and how much am i ignoring the memories i'm making right now mm. and letting them just fall through the cracks of yeah. remembrance to have to be brought back up from a, a a group of people all together mourning the loss of somebody for you to remember those things that impacted you so much in your life that right. you forgot them for however long that interaction was till the time of that person's passing for you to remember. Mm. And it kind of makes me go staying in like the infinite now. There's a book that I can't remember the book now, but I was listening to it a couple weeks ago. Um, oh, wait, no, I know what it was. Um I'm going to look it up while I'm yeah, talking. Yeah, go ahead. It, it wasn't called Now, was it? No, okay. it, it wasn't. It was um, It's specifically written for men, but everybody can can sort of relate to it. So just pulling up my Audible here to get to my titles because yeah, it was just, it was powerful. While you're looking up that, I want to I want to, I want to share with something that popped in my head. We were talking about death and the Egyptians being obsessed with it. There's an episode of The Office. Tell me if you know where I'm going with this. I'm, if not now, I will once you start because I've seen every episode multiple times. It's an episode of The Office where Dwight set, talks about when he's gonna he's gonna, well he's, it was during that whole he was was he gonna marry Angela time during the okay. Andy and all that, and and I think at the time Andy and Angela were gonna get married at Dwight's uh, um, beet farm right, and they had mm -hmm. this barn, and Dwight was explaining how the shrewd, he said I'm gonna butcher this I know I'm gonna butcher this but he said he said uh, shrewds um, marriage ceremonies are done at, at the cemetery. Uh -huh. He said and it makes, and it makes. Um, what does he say? He says something along the lines of that. It makes funerals celebratory, but it makes weddings dreary affairs. <laughs> but that's the idea, man. Yeah. You, you would go, you would get married. I remember that episode? Now. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, they do that. Oh, the so book the was book. the way of uh, the way of the superior man. Okay, is what it was, and you know it short version is or the short section of that was just talking about how um you can obsess about the future creating anxiety and you can drag the pa the regrets of the past hmm. to rob you of the present moment yeah 
Yeah. And how it's important to live in the infinite now, mm. you know, and it kind of calls back to time, past, present, and future. It all exists at the same time right now. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so all the physicists and things that you and I have equally talked about, equally like to think about is the moments to the, the decisions you're making today, choose what version of yourself you live in the future right. by the decisions and the things you're making now, kind of back to when you said the seeds you're planting now yeah. for what people will remember. Well, it being, so being mindful in that present moment lets you, lets you see sort of the bricks that you're laying brick by brick, mm. the, 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 the pavement you're, you're, you're laying, you know, section by section or the pebbles or, you know, the, the rock, rock way that you're building yeah. pebble by pebble of, you know, it, it might take you, it might be dif- difficult for you to kind of carve that path, but you're creating a walkway mm. for people that have perceived you that will continue on. And then wherever you end, they're now able to be more equipped to take it to wherever that next step is. So I like that. I like that visual. Um, and my mind went like a different direction. My mind went into the Buddhist direction. Okay. Where I was thinking to myself that if I were in the now all the time, if I was able to, to be better at that, that I wouldn't have suffering. So that's what the Buddhists want to avoid. They say life is suffering, but you can avoid suffering by the eightfold path, and they mm-hmm. have they have a religion organized around it. And um, and the idea is like when I look at my girls, and I'm, I have that feeling that I know you know what I mean, oh, yeah. where I feel joy and the deepest anguish at the same time mm-hmm. because I'm so proud and I'm so amazed and in awe of them, but at the same time. Their existence makes me afraid that they that they will suffer and that they will die, or that I will die and they'll have to suffer through that. Mm-hmm. And all those things are happening all at once. And I'm thinking that if I were in the now, that I wouldn't be worried about that. I would I wouldn't be suffering that. Mm-hmm. I would just be experiencing the joy and the awe. You know, I don't know if it's better, but it seems, it seems better. Sure. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, some some level of suffering makes you appreciate what you do have by having things taken away. You know, like, are you going to appreciate it more if it's given for free, or did you have to suffer to get it, and it mean that much more because of the fight that you fought to get there? It's very true. You know? So today, we had a dentist appointment, me and my five-year-old, almost six-year-old, and she had two cavities. And she had cavities before. She had to have them once before. She had to have her cavities filled. And, you know, going to the dentist is not fun. Nope. And so we <laughs> went to the dentist, and she did She did great. She was brave. She did everything you want your kid to do. She toughed it out. She did what she had to do. I was very proud of her. And uh, when I got in the car, I tried to explain to her. She's, like, you know, not even six years old. I tried to explain to her. I'm like, hey, you know how we just did something that, like, you probably would have liked to do almost anything else but go, go to the dentist? But we went anyway. She's like, yeah. I'm like, you know, it, it wasn't fun and it was uncomfortable and it sucked. She's like, you know, yeah. I'm like, some things in life are like that. Mm-hmm. And brave people know that they have to do them anyway. Yep. And they suffer. And that that's good. Mm-hmm. And she had no effing idea what I was trying to explain <laughs> to her. But I right. just wanted her to know, like, what you just did, that's a habit that you should continue your rest of your life. If you If you buckle down and do the hard things you know you have to do you will be better for it but yeah. i'm just trying to find a way of making that sink into a five-year-old man yeah i have a really really big challenge i don't it know it sounds like you did great i mean she may not be able to i get the looks from my daughter when i try to get existential and speak to her <laughs> yeah in the exact same way and it's kind of like 
there's a feeling that maybe five percent got in there. Mm. But but I'm grateful for I'm grateful for Bella because she'll go. I don't know what you mean. She'll come out and say it. I yeah. freaking love <laughs> how brash this kid is. She'll just I don't get it. Honesty or, from a woman? Are you kidding? Right? <laughs> God, it's incredible. She just goes. I I don't know what that means. And you can kind of get the look. And then I I, I it forces me to kind of to say it different, but. There's it's it's actually a good good thing that happened with Kristen because they're on a they're on like their yearly vacation where they all they go to North Dakota and see that side of the family and things and since I started a new job I just stuck it out and stayed here and um she's my wife is with my with my her the in you know my in laws and my dad or her dad had been saying stuff and doing stuff you know getting grumpy whatever. And it made my wife my wife realize some ways that he was the one doing things or saying things that hurt her and caused triggers mm. as an adult mm. that she never saw before. Interesting. And and the moment was the point I'm getting to is is my daughter ends up showing up and saying the most profound thing to my wife in that moment because now my wife's visibly crying. She's telling me the story. Oh no! <laughs> and I try to speak into into my daughter and say stuff like, you know, I, I'm reminded of one time I said something. I was like, you know what? Get away from me! I don't even want to see you. I think I said this on one of the podcasts, and yeah. it broke me so much that the next two days I went back and I really made sure she understood why that was wrong, and I apologized and I said, you know, that's stuff my dad used to say to me, mm-hmm. Bella. And I know you get it that I wasn't that I'm sorry and that you forgive me, but I just really want to underscore how important it was that I never say anything like that to you again. And because I'm now coming out of that as an adult, and so all of that to say that you know I think five percent of that or other things I've said to her isn't getting anywhere. Mm. And then she goes up to my wife who's crying, and it's okay. You know, Papal said whatever, and my my wife said what what happened, and she said. Did he do that a lot when you were when you were a little girl? <laughs> she she jumps right into the fact that the idea that hey, I'll bet that that was something he did when you were little that's yeah. impacting you now. That's amazing. And I I thought this girl like it, and it made me proud for thinking that not a pat on me at all, but like way more is getting in there than you think. And it's moments like that later on that it comes out of the blue. Like that. Yeah. Nobody yeah. else. So, like, here's a funny contrast to that. Short contrast. Um, her mother gaslit her and apologized for how she felt, but not how she said it, even though she was absolutely in the wrong. And, you know, her her dad, I, I haven't heard if there's there was any kind of reparation or whatever, uh, but he typically does. Usually it's a physical thing. He's not an overly emotional guy that'll say, he'll say he's sorry, whatever. Um, he, but he does make effort to repair. And so here you have two adults that didn't acknowledge what they did and how they acted and how it impacted her and how they were absolutely in the wrong. But a six-year-old identified how wrong it is and what it probably stemmed from <laughs> when my 30, you know, 35-year-old wife was her age. Right. That's interesting. Powerful. Powerful, Yeah. Like these kids, man. Absolutely, man. They are they are smarter. <laughs> like in like in some ways, they're not as sophisticated as an adult. That goes without saying. But kids are smarter than we give them credit for, mm-hmm. and they're more intuitive than we are by oh, yeah. a long shot, oh, yeah. man. Yep. Um, okay, so 
So I thought, Josh, that you were going to be recording a podcast of your own. I gave you till about February. <laughs> In my mind, I, I thought by February this guy's going to be going to be going. Yeah, it is now July the eighth. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So what's going on, man? You 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 had these ideas about faith, fringe, and freedom, and it sounds like you're ready to go. So what's going on? What's been going on? Um, I've been I've been really reflective on it and. Part of the, I think I said, I actually read, listened to uh, the episode we did, which was July seventh last year. So that was a, yeah, yeah. That was a year ago. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And here it is, July, a couple days after that, and I'm here. Um, yeah. And it, except that that one was over the phone. I I just got to the place where I sort of reinforced the idea that I said is I I had an ego death with regards to. Um, I'm more concerned about people's freedom than being right. Back to when I said, you know, an, an, an argument is trying to figure out who's right, but a discussion is trying to figure out what's right. Yeah. And and then it was on the way up here. I kind of had this, as I was sitting down, because it's set up at the kitchen table now, but the fact that I can make it portable, I know how to use scan disks. So I'm, I'm, I'm golden. I'm really happy that that's a possibility to do it right on the podcast, yeah. because now even though when they come back, I can still continue it. Yep. Um, and sorry to interrupt you're you. Good. And Podbean, which is this, which is the service that mm-hmm. I use, and I think you're going to use. Yep. They now have a button on their app that um, I can show it to you here. Yeah. That where you can record from uh, your phone. What? Yeah. So nice. Yeah. I don't know what the audio quality is like. Sure. So you may sure. you may have to give it a test. But where the hell is Podbean? That's really cool. Yeah. Look right. I love that. Right down here, that little plus button. Nice. You hit that button, you can start recording, and you can still, um, you can still, you know, edit it or whatever you want to mm-hmm. do if you want to. Yeah. Or you can just, if you like the way it sounds, you can just publish it. Right well, there's incredible phone. USB microphones that are a hundred bucks. Yeah. So I mean, that I, if as I would argue that it's probably fine as long as you get that type of equipment. Just doing it through your phone, it's going to take it stereo and mono it and make it all weird. Right. But yeah, that'd be awesome. So yeah, but I mean, if you're in the car. You know, yep. like you, I saw you, you know, on Twitter doing live streams and stuff from the car. Yeah. If you want to do something like that, you can. If you, yep. you know, you have time in between meetings at work and you want to record something, I, I, you know. I'm going to love that because that that's when I'll get, I'll get inspired and it'll pop out and I'll need to say something. And I yes. usually at least record a video of it. And so I, I w- I'm going to have to use that. But I, I, as I was approaching it, it was funny because I was recording some of the thoughts that I have, and I was talking about how, like, some of the fringe stuff we'll talk about, it isn't for the faint of heart, it'll shock you, it'll wreck you, it will, and I had all this negative language. It's going to happen, I'm not saying I'm sugarcoating, I'm not saying I'm going to sort of withdraw from that idea at all, because you you have to expose the nightmare before you can reveal the dream, mm-hmm. and the things that I'm going to talk about in that area, they have to be exposed for you to really understand what's happening, that way when stuff happens similar you're you're going to be one of those people that catch it right away yeah and don't listen to the narrative don't listen to everything else you're you're going to stop and respond instead of react yeah okay so those things are still going to happen but i began burning more for the self-development portion of it the mindset portion of it the the ridding yourself of limiting beliefs and and back to when i was talking about with people coming into the room the things that are most impactful to me have been the times that I've been able to speak into their lives in those moments and to empower them to be their best self because the the freedom side of the podcast is freedom of self, freedom of health, and freedom of wealth. It's going to fit all of those. And I began to burn and have more passion for that um, 
than I did the fringe. Yeah. It's exciting and it's fun. Um, but at the end of the day, exposure is fine. But if you're not equipped to be able to be a better version of yourself, to one, handle the exposure, and two, what do you do after that? And three, how do you live your life and decide to live your life in a way that's completely contrary to the things you learned that make you want to crawl in a hole? Mm. If you're not the person that's going to develop beyond those things and focus on the positive of it, what life is, is there to live in the freedom of seeing through the veil? What's the point? You know what I mean? Yeah. So so I, I I began to burn for that more, and it and it quickened in me an excitement to, well, you, you know, to do that. You notice that the motivation and the self-help part corresponds to what we started talking about at the beginning about legacy. Yes. The French part, exactly. French part is not so obvious that that contributes to your legacy. Right. But I would say this, having, I'm, I'm in year two of podcasting. I've done like a yeah. uh, hundred, probably like close to 150 episodes. Absolutely. And, um, you might want fringe from time to time. You might want it oh, to of punctuate. Of course. You know what I mean? Cause otherwise like I've been having this problem where I, um, uh, I've been reading a lot of Jung mm-hmm. and I love it. But I can't talk about it week after week after week after week, you know. Sure. So I, I have to I have to figure out ways of like uh, mixing it up. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things I started doing recently, which I don't think, I don't think it was a step far enough. It was okay. I'm reading Young. It's going to take me a while to get through the book because the book's difficult. So I'm going to start parallel reading Young's pupils. Ooh. So now I've got a, a young book called The Red Book. Okay. And then yeah. I've got his pupil, Eric Neumann. I'm reading his book. And then another one, Louise von Franz. I'm reading her book. Uh, that's this one, this one, and this one, Nice, by the way. Yeah. And it's cool because I, can, I have diversity. I can mm-hmm. talk about young one day. I can talk about Neumann the next day and um, keep it interesting. But there's a tremendous amount of overlap. So mm-hmm. it's not quite the release I thought it was going to be. So mm-hmm. I have to mix it up even more. Yeah. So the, I'm just giving you some warning. You may be, like you say, inspired in the beginning and have lots of stuff you want to say, but it's good sometimes to punctuate that with something fun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's for me, it's it's going to encom- encapsulate all of those things. And I, I, th- I think that what I learned was, again, you, the things I'm going to expose and talk about has to happen. It is a it is a necessity, but it's not as important to me as what do you do with it and are you becoming your best self and are you becoming somebody that is able to um, live beyond sort of the the you know the pressures of the knowledge that uh, say it, the people that are asleep and not waking not haven't woken up to mm. what's happening and and the lies that have been propagated and pushed and I, I, because that's the best way to set yourself free from the matrix. I mean, Mm. it's okay, great. You, you're free from the matrix. Now what? So if I don't have a, if I don't have a balance of that and I'm I'm not, I'm not saying it's all my, it's this, this tremendous weight that I'm going to struggle with as much as it's equally, if not more important that, I help people be able to live beyond those things and not have it be something that wrecks them so much that they want to just crawl in a hole because I've been there. Yeah. Kind of like when you asked me on my podcast, like, what do you say to those people that think you're an elitist? When I, I talked about, um, it, it's terrible to have to rebuild your psyche in seven different times since 2006. And I lived through that. So if you're not somebody that's willing to go through at least one or two of those, don't bother listening. And that's not because I don't care. It's because I deeply care. 
I don't want to render you ineffective to change your life and change who you are and change those around you if telling you an inf- a piece of information is going to keep you from living your best potential. Mm. I want, though, in order to get to your best potential, the things that are shackling you and the lies that you believe and the societal things that are put on you on purpose and the way that this information is disseminated in order to keep you bound, in order to keep you trapped, mm. you literally will never get to the freedom part of my podcast mm. if we don't go through the fringe. Yeah, interesting. It, 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 you have to, but I want those. I want to get you to that other side of that more importantly than I do want to harp on that. So let me ask you a question because I feel similarly. You said... You said something interesting to me. It's it, just now. You said, "When you wake up from the matrix, mm-hmm. then what?" Okay, so yeah. I got to tell you, I feel like I woke up from the matrix in, at the end of 2018. Okay, and it was a process. It was I was several veils that I had to I had to cross through. Of course, but the most powerful one was at the end of 2018, and I hadn't really put a lot of thought because it's such an inspiring feeling. I hadn't really put a lot of thought into what I want to do now. Mm. But what my intuition was, was to, was to free other people mm-hmm. from it, right? So yeah. that's kind of what the podcast has been, is a way to try to let other people in on the insights that I've found to be so important. But I wonder if that's not the end of the story. Like, what then is not just waking everybody up? Because mm-hmm. once everyone's woke up, what then? Yes. So that's my question to you. What then? Um, the, the thing that pops into my head is this client that I left, that... Um, I made a very clear break from the massage um, and said, I literally can't work on you for a year because my word is my bond and I have a non-compete. Mm. So everybody that I had, even the people that were well-meaning and even people that like were juice for the podcast, um, I told them, I cannot massage you. You want to get together and you want to hang out and you want to talk on the podcast, let's do it. Everything that was meaningful about our relationship can be separate and I'm totally open to that. So your question there was asked to me by an amazing, amazing client. Interesting. And she said, what's the point? Now what? And she talks, she literally said similar phrasing of, okay, you woke everybody up. What are we all going to be able to do? What can we all do? Yep. And I said to her this, I said, if you first take a second of the money aspect, every single complaint that people have is because of billionaires swaying everything. But nobody that is under the thumb is willing to put in the effort to make the money that can pay for the lobbyist contrary to what's being pushed down sure. our freaking throats. Right, yep. If you don't grow monetarily to begin to play the game on their field, you're going to do nothing, mm, first of all. yeah. So that breaks off the idea that I have to just be this slave to the debt system now, your, your, your financial prosperity is a big part of that. So if that never happens, you're not going to get there and you're not going to affect the change because you have to do it where they're doing it to some level. Yeah. Now, you, ma- you, you get a massive amount of people in other avenues that do it. Then you just have a growing number that even without that, they can't argue with the massive mm. wave that's coming, which is happening in an awakening with people. So she, sa- she asked me that question, and now what? And I said... Once we get to that point and the you know the pillars of this stuff is brought down and we have people strategically placed, not like me placing in them, but just they are placed in these areas of influence that I've I've I'm gonna be talking about. If you're there and you are woken up to the lies and all that stuff, 
But now you're going to be able to be a big player right there in the thick of it with the fortitude and the mastery of yourself to affect a change in it mm. to over time challenge the conceptions in each of those pillars that control our society and move our society towards the ultimate destruction and all the negative stuff we talk about. Mm-hmm. It's 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 not so that you can be free and go crawl in a hole and just wait for whatever's coming. It's so that you can break off and then enter back in like a Neo mm. sort of force, <laughs> right? Yeah, okay. To effectively change it. But then ultimately, so pillars of influence and then people that are peppered throughout those pillars of influence can start to affect change right there where it's happening because they're now equipped to get back into it mm. to free more people that need to be free because if they're free free people free people yeah so so ultimately it is a collection of uh gathering those that already are to the fold so to speak like my podcast is going to gather the people that already are there Mm -hmm. that are lonely ostracized feeling like they can't uh talk about like how we began talking again two years ago was man there's we you're the only person I can talk to about all this stuff. And that's still true. hundred <laughs> percent. So there's yous and me's out there ostracized alone, whatever. Yeah. The number one reason for my podcast is to gather that fold, to realize you're not alone and realize the force that we have because we're the silent majority rather than the vocal minority, the vocal minorities and the small percentages are the ones swaying everything else because we, as the, you know, non-vocal majority have enough sense to know when to be quiet, know when to speak. But if we're feeling alone and trapped by the ways the society sort of keeps us bound, thinking and feeling and believing we're alone, we're going to never speak about it and continue to feel defeated. But once we realize we're not alone, now a force is growing. Hmm. So it's, it's one hand, right hand will say is gathering those people to realize they're not alone so that we just have a place to be able to talk and feel less crazy yeah. and get it out and and have the catharsis of talking about these things that are making it harder for us to even just function because we think it's such a higher level than the rest. Right. But equally then being able to, oh, I got all that off my chest. Now I am at a capacity to walk into this place and recognize somebody that needs me to pull them out of the muck and I can help them because I've been around a community that agrees with me and believes with me so the things that are weighing me down i can talk about but then i realize the strength in the numbers yeah and now we have multiple people going around yeah, oh, yeah. doing the same thing and, yeah, yeah. and gathering that fold so like it's a, like a virus <laughs> a good one like well, kefir <laughs> well i do have a uh, thought that comes comes to my mind I, there's a lot of things i say that are they're very hand wavy ah. right they're very hippy dippy like things that sound good to me Mm -hmm. but even i'm not sure i totally understand what i mean when i say it of course things like that and one of the things that i've thought um that i've been coming to be convinced of is that human beings are creators yes creators in an artistic sense but creators in like a deity sense where we're you know that's when when the bible says we're made in the image of god it has to do with the power of creation yes and um and I've been getting into all this philosophy, all this psychology. What, what I've learned is that human beings have the ability to create their sense of self. Mm-hmm. They literally mold it, and they pick and choose things from other people and situations that they admire, mm-hmm. and they incorporate those things into what they call their self. Yep. So, in a real way, your personality, your physical body, um, the 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 interactions you have with other people is a work of art. 
It's something that you've shaped and fashioned the way that you and God saw that it was good. And yep. Chris saw that it was good, right? That's, sure. how, that's how we fashion ourselves. So coming to understand that we do that, that, that you literally build yourself up from the ground, um, was an interesting way of understanding myself as a creator. Mm-hmm. But there's a step further than, than that that says not only do we construct ourself or sense of self, we construct our sense of the world. Yeah. And so there's a way in which we create the world. Yes. Like God created 100%. the world. Yes. And, and I didn't have a way of making that practical until you just said what you said. Mm-hmm. You said, well, you didn't say that we can change the world, but what you said is we build a community yes. by finding like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And then whatever those values are that we all represent collectively yep. is powerful enough to make a difference, mm-hmm. a.k.a. change the world. You yes. know, change the culture, change, change the world. Yeah, well, we get overwhelmed with the macro, but don't realize our power in the micro. Exactly. So I had an interesting example of that. And um, one of the side hustles I really love is real estate. I've been doing it. I love it. I'm wholesaling. It's fun. Um, And you meet people that you resonate with and you instantly know, I'm going to do big money and help this person. And there's an incredible mindset inside of it where you can totally tell if they're in it or not. Like there's this sense of heart to heart alignment. Like, look, I am here and want to connect with you to help you make money and me make money because there's plenty of houses. There's plenty of money. This scarcity mindset's garbage. Hmm. We can all help each other, period. I want you to know Kyle, not long ago, said those words on the podcast. Really? Scarcity is nonsense. That's what he said. It is absolutely nonsense. He said the world is bountiful. Yes. And more than enough for everything that we need. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And so I've encountered this guy through some some Facebook groups I'm on. And I'm talking about this house, you know, and I'm I'm a wholesaler with access to great buyers. He's a wholesaler. And when another wholesaler has a house that they're trying to move, I get with them and say, hey, what are you looking to make on it? What do you have it in contract for? I've got really responsive buyers. Let's see what we can do together because I want to help you win. Right. Raising water raises all ships. Raises all ships. And and I encountered this idea of scarcity with this one guy that I'm, I I go now I got I learned a hard, valuable lesson in a short way on overvaluing the ho- a house and then. I, I ate some humble pie in the tune of uh, uh, $50,000. Yeah. Um, I overappraised a property to being worth two hundred and eighty when it's only worth two twenty. dollars mm, Jesus. Yeah. And I vowed at that moment, I will not do one more deal until I fix that and know how to do that properly, that's, period. That's perfect. And yeah. I did no more deals until then. And then I got really good at properly evaluating a home to the point where I became one of those good wholesalers that even realtors like to work with. But the point is, this guy was like, I'm trying to help him. And I said, hey, man, here's the the after repair value of this home. This is with it all done up. It needs 50 grand in repairs. Yep. Here's where you got your price. What are you needing to make so that I can approach my buyers with this? But I'll give them sort of the real reality of what's wrong. And this, he's like, no, thanks. I'm good. And I'm like, Okay. Now I felt that moment and I, I, I handled him kind of brashly in that moment. I said, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I had said, here's where my number would want to be um, because I I can see what the repairs are going to be. Right. And he he basically blew me off because of the number that I came up with, even though that's fact. And 
So scarcity is what generated in him. He's like, there's not enough money in this deal mm, for me. Yeah. I can't have somebody else come alongside and help. And that's nonsense. We we there's plenty of money and plenty of ability and, and once we realize there's it goes back to the movement of people. We, we, if we are alone and we believe in scarcity that there's less of us, we won't realize our individual and our collective power when we realize we're not alone. What we have a scarcity of, Josh, is effort. Yeah. Because if you have the effort, the opportunities are there, yeah. you know? Yep. Um, yep. Well, listen, it's a... Uh, um, I pretty sure I heard my, heard my wife home upstairs, so nice. I, I want to ask you uh, one other thing. Okay. I don't know if you'd be the best person to ask, but what I want to tell you is... We last time we talked, and we, we we brought up your sister and her religious uh, mm. feelings. The topic got brought up that she is a pagan and a Christian simultaneously, right? And I have not stopped thinking about that ever <laughs> ever since you brought it up. And and it's funny because Kyle, Kyle is an interesting story, and I think today would be an interesting time for you to talk to him. We we have to. Um, find a way for us all to get together yeah because kyle grew up in a religious household and then and his his like teenage years were pretty occupied by youth group and Mm -hmm. church twice a week and things like that he went to christian schools and when he went when he moved up here and he he went to high school public high school he became very um well you know how teenagers are he rebelled against all of it he's an atheist he's a nihilist Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. nothing matters all that stuff and all you know religious stories are nonsense and there's no value to them and all that now, he's sl- and, and and when we first started this podcast two years ago, he was an anarcho-capitalist. Uh, he was an anarchist and an anarcho-capitalist, but still, but still more or less an atheist. And today, he's finding himself pulled, pull, being pulled back into the church. Mm-hmm. And I can hear little, little fucking breadcrumbs, little nice. little church mouse footsteps yeah. sounds of him creeping that direction. Yep. And it's what's strange is he started off saying to me that he was interested in pagan paganism mm-hmm. because of ritual yeah. and because of things that he thought were missing from a, his church experience, which is evangelical. Yeah. You know, sure, it's not it's not the Catholic Church; it doesn't right. have ritual really. And so he starts getting into this idea of paganism and like sacred groves and what kind of th- rituals people were doing in the Germanic tribes and the Celtic tribes. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of like solid information about that. There's a lot of woo and speculation, a lot yep. of new age stuff, but there's not a lot of facts. Now he tells me a couple of weeks ago that he is he wants to go to an Orthodox uh, Christian church. Oh wow! Because he wants the ritual. Yeah. But he wants he wants the Christian part. Mm-hmm. So now he the pull towards ritual is also a pull back into Christianity, and this dude is going to go to a, rough, a Russian Orthodox service Whoa. because he wants to see what it's like, and it's just a weird thing to watch because this transition. I've been friends with him since we were kids. The transition has been really, really yeah. crazy. I would love to. I, I we ended the last one one a year ago talking about all our different perspectives and. The alignment, I think, that we're all finding, and still, today, yeah, I would love to be able to do that because I'm. Even as I was up here, I was thinking about the deconstructing Christians. Yeah, that's a big movement right now in the church. Uh, it's, and, it's it doesn't uh, sound good, but keep going. It isn't good because it's basically them walking away from everything sacred and true, and it is a, it is a um, complete tearing away of true virtuous 
like underlying ideas that are important that even Jordan Peterson would talk yeah. about as being very faithful and needed and, 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 and appropriate and important and all of those things to completely abandon it all is, in is order this... to like appease the world, so to speak. Mm, okay. Is, so when you say deconstruction, do you mean this in the postmodern way? Like, uh, uh, yes, okay. it is kind of like that. Yeah, they're Whoa. kind of deconstructing their whole idea, but they're they're doing it away from. I, I give you an example. Awesome worship uh, group, and I won't say their name; it doesn't matter. Um, and powerful, powerful worship, powerful musically. They're they're incredibly blessed, incredibly 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 anointed. You feel the spirit, all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Powerful mu- musicians, very talented. Um, saying that they're okay with um i think it's i forget his name now it's terrible that's how much i care about him like little nas i think it is where he like had these shoes that were like demonic and he has like this music video where he's like giving satan a lap dance and like whatever else right so it's just this very funny like oh they're they're doing this but they say they love that and it's like there's some things that you can't really like there's some things that just don't make sense to coexist Hmm. Because, like, you have a responsibility that all, a certain amount of people that follow you um, to just go so far that way that it's like, hold on, did you even believe in the beginning? Does yeah. that make sense? It's, yeah. It's not necessarily I'm trying to – I'm not trying to sound negative because I'm not. It's just like I, I always applaud people deconstructing from the religiosity of it all because it's built off of things that actually aren't in the Bible. And when you deconstruct in a proper way – you find exactly what Jesus was fighting for, which was relationship, and boil it all down to love God, love people, period. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because at the time of him being asked that question, there were 650 laws, and each law was predicated on the one that it comes after it to help you to not break the perceiving one. So it grew to like 655 religious laws to help keep you in good shape, but he called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs because all of your action did nothing to change your heart. When the whole gospel, so he they challenge Jesus and go, which is the best best law? And they think they got him. Mm-hmm. He's like, love God, love people. That's how he shut them all up. Yeah. And so, in the deconstructing, removing all the laws, religious duties, rituals, blah blah blah. Yeah. They can have their sacrament and their importance if there's something that you do in honoring and remembrance of the preceding thing that it was built for, but it isn't inherently what's going to get you to a place of nirvana saving or what have you. They're important, but they're not a replacement for getting it right on the inside instead of just the external stuff, because everybody can do that. Right. But if are you actually exuding a change from the inside out? That's the question of any of them. So taking 600 laws and condensing them down to love God, love people, I love that. It reminds me of two things. It reminds me of uh, formulas in physics, because what they say about the formula is that if it's simple and elegant and beautiful, that's a sign that it's correct. Mm. So if you have a complicated formula, it's it's probably wrong. Mm -hmm. So formulas are considered beautiful when they're concise and simple. And... um, that's what you just described Jesus yeah. having done. Yeah. There's also something, and maybe Jordan Peterson said it, that if you're trying to explain something technical to somebody else and you, it's complicated to explain, that means you don't understand it. If it was simple, yes, if you explain good. it simply, mm-hmm. that's a sign that you understand it. Right. So anyway, those those two things popped in my head when you said that. I just, I'm just sharing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, so yeah, it's like back to Kyle, like the whole point of that tirade was about that. Like that would be... 
incredible because any Orthodox church, they they have a very important. They see it for the right value. They see the. You can say rituals. That's fine. Um, as as important for what they were there, and I, I'm thinking about. It reminds me of when. Whenever there'd be a great a crazy move of God breaking through in, in, in the Israelites, they would make a little monument so that they would never forget what he did. But one of the things that is a challenge of that is always remember what he did, but what is he doing in your life now? Because if you focus on the idol of that, man, that was great when he did that. Mm, I see what you mean. You're stuck there. Where's the progression? Yeah. You're never going to grow. <laughs> okay, what he did for you is great. What's he doing what does that make sense? You know what it makes me think of is that the the idol is dead. Yes, if it it's, is. If it's associated with the past, it's yeah. not a living being. Correct. It's dead. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea of the rituals and the things can be remembrances of what was happening or had happened, but if you're only focused on that, you're not living in back to the infinite now in your relationship with your creator, source, or whatever you want to call it. What are they doing now in your life? How do you know they're real to you now is the most important question, not what they did. Everybody can yeah. say they did this, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. Your testimony is your testimony, and nobody can argue that. But you can, nobody can ever argue, argue you out of experience. Absolutely. You can't. That's raw. You can't. Brutal. And, right, and people can try, but like that's where like if I've had experiences like that. You can't argue me out of it because I went through the same irrationality of thoughts. I, I went through the same stuff of, oh my, what is, what is going on? Is this real? And I did all the normal stuff to see if this really happened, and it did. So I did the same I did the same questions of what just happened that somebody opposing it would ask me right. when it happened to me. Right. And I, so I'm okay with those questions because I asked them too. So, so it's important to live in that now because otherwise the rituals are dead. There's nothing in them. There's no life in them. See, that's interesting, man. Otherwise the rituals are dead and there's no life in them. So whatever, whatever it is that puts life in a ritual, whatever it is that makes it um, meaningful and powerful to you now, that's what Kyle's looking for. Yep. That's what he's looking for in paganism. Maybe that's what your sister's looking for in paganism. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. But I'd be interested to ask her. We gotta we gotta we gotta make that conversation happen. Sure. Um she would love it. And maybe yeah, and with Kyle too, because I think that would be you know, because it's not just about ritual. It also has to do with um I wanna say magic. It has to do mm. with is it possible that there, there, that there's a, such a thing as supernatural powers that human beings have access to or control over. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I would never have considered in a million years up until 2018. Right. Now I see things a little differently. Yep. The definition of magic isn't quite the same as it was. Right. The definition of God isn't quite the same as it mm -hmm. was. And I, you know, I have less problem with it. So I'm, I don't, I'm just curious, man. I'm just curious what mm -hmm. that's about. Sure. Uh, so when can we expect the first episode of uh, your your podcast, Josh? It will happen this week. Oh, you hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, intro is happening this week. As soon as I get back. And what do you, what do you think it's going to be like? Uh, like like a monologue? Do you, do you think it's going to be like an hour? You know, I'd say so. I, I'm even if I have to like if I get somebody. Let's say I'm interviewing them and we're having we're vibing and it's awesome and we're talking for three hours. Then I'm at least going to verbally say, "Hey, this is a good spot for part two to end." And then that way I can break it up. But yeah, I think it'll be more of an introduction, a monologue with an introduction, because in the past there were only six pillars. There's two There's two more now. There's actually eight pillars of influence that I'll discuss Okay. instead of the six. Interesting. So I want 
let me know when it airs. I'll talk. I'll I'll uh, do what I can to spread the word on Twitter sure. and all that with the audience. But I'd, I'd be very interested myself. Um, I you might you might get me excited after I listen to that first episode, and, and I might be chomping <laughs> at the bit to, to jump in there with you. But sure, uh, that text message was, was from my wife saying sure it's thing. almost it's it's almost dinner time. What are we doing? Sure all right, guys. So um, that's a little taste of uh, Josh Hamilton. <laughs> um, maybe faith fringe and freedom will be a little less fringe and a little more freedom. But uh, yes, absolutely. We'll, we'll find out next week. Stay tuned. All right, guys. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work. Thinking. It's hard and full of uncertainties, but I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode.